What's up, and welcome to The Greatest Teacher of All Time, where I, Quincy Dawson, highlight teachers' philosophies, strategies, and personalities. Today, I've got Brittany Alfred here. What's up, Brittany? Hey, Quincy, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Thank you for being here with me today. I appreciate being asked. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you are the teacher of the year. I had to bring that teacher on. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Brittany, you are a sixth to eighth grade teacher, right? For English yes, second language. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how long have you been doing that for? Well, this is actually my first year doing um, English language learners, um, but I've done sixth through eighth grade for the past five years. Okay. Okay. And what classes? Uh, English language arts. I've only done that content. Okay. So now it's mm-hmm. English second language. Nice, nice, nice. Mm-hmm. So now I want to tell you, I did some creeping or research, as I call it, (laughs) on Instagram, (laughs) and I saw on May 5th, 2021, you're presented with the Teacher of the Year Award. Yes. And when I saw that, I had a question. So it was the 2021-2022 Teacher Uh of the Year Award. So it's really the teacher of the next year. Yeah. So how my school does it is at the end of each year they crown um, the teacher of the year that will represent the school for the next upcoming school year. So the previous teacher of the year, she passed the torch to me. So now I'm the representative for this school year. And then the next school year, they'll announce that at the end of this year and they'll represent for the next school year. Okay, great, great. That's a really great accomplishment. How long have you been teaching at that school? At that school, this will be my fourth year. Your fourth year getting teacher, yes. now your teacher of the year. Wow. What, yes. what, is, what does that entail? Like, what does that mean being teacher of the year? Well, okay. So the process is um, around April or March, between March and April, they send out a survey and you have to vote the teacher that you believe has really helped you, has a good rapport with the students and things of that sort. Um, so Once they did the process, they announced it at the last faculty meeting and um, it was a it was a shocker because I didn't think I I didn't think people voted for me, but it was it was a shocker. And I was very, very appreciative Um, that all entails like I have worked with the district this year, this summer, rather that kind of doesn't fall into why I didn't do it because I won teacher year. I did it also based on my academics as well. But being teacher of the year and being able to all these doors opening at one time really kind of proved why I was doing some of the district stuff this year. And then that also led me to now being on the superintendent's teacher advisory board. So what that entails is the teacher of the years for each school. They meet with the actual legit superintendent of Fulton County and we voice our concerns and we have direct contact with the superintendent and that's the first that they've done it as well so this is the first year that they're rolling that out so being teacher of the year entails like I definitely got to be on my p's and q's because now it's like I'm an example um but I mean for the most part is it definitely it doesn't add any extra pressure or nothing like that but it's it's a great honor to represent the school that I, I work at yeah definitely I can imagine so is it being teacher of the year, the teacher of the year is automatically in these roles or is it because? No, it's honestly, even if I wouldn't have won the teacher, well, the teacher advisory board, yes. You okay. have to be the current teacher of the year, but the district stuff, that was would have happened even if I won or didn't win. 
okay. But it's like, yeah. it helped make your name more. Yeah, it kind of helped because when I did the district stuff and I was like, I'm the current teacher of the year. They was like, oh, wow, congratulations. That's like a double, you know, achievement. I was like, yeah, lots happened this year. So because it was a lot of what I've done the past two years that got me to work with the district and then being, having teacher of the year on that record as well was just like, oh, okay, like, yeah. So yeah, it was definitely great. Okay. Yeah. Another checkbox on the resume. Nice. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I wanted to ask, do teachers vote on that or is it students or both or? It's teachers. And then what they do is when they get the votes, they ask some of the students to, how does this, how does this teacher make you feel? They ask them for an adjective of that, the teacher. So once I won, they went to my students and my students actually wrote, um, they had some nice words and encouraging words for me and stuff like that and why they truly believed I deserved it. And so, yeah. Wow. That's great. That's like you're, you're nominated, then you get the verification from the students. Like they, yeah. they're the ones who put you up there. Right. And then the thing is, I will, this is actually my second time being nominated because my third year I got nominated as well. Um, but they did it differently that year. Um, my third year, they did it where it was three candidates and we had like neck and neck votes. So it was like a runoff and, um, I didn't win that year, but this year, I don't know if it's because of the pandemic, but it wasn't like candidates. It was just like, they announced it. So I was just like, okay, was it the number of votes that I got that we didn't have candidates? So I did ask this year. Um, and they were just like, well, the number of candidates, you, the number of votes you had, it really wasn't no candidates. And I was like, oh, really? So I was so surprised by that because it was definitely different than they've done it in the past. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm honored. And it's funny because after I won, all these teachers was like, Alfred, you know who voted for you? I said, you did? Like, I didn't even know y'all, y'all, you don't even talk to me in the hallway. So I didn't think you was paying attention to me. And they was like, no, you do a lot. You do a lot. I was like, well, I feel, I was crying. I think I cried for like a week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's it. Like, I think it's well-deserved teacher of the year. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Another reason why I think it's well-deserved that you're teacher of the year is because students love you, right? Yeah. Like I've never been to your school. <laughs> I've been around <laughs> you. I follow you on Instagram and your kids love you. Like yeah. you get your, you talked about how you get your students to come to class. Um, you had students make TikToks with you. Can you tell me a little about that? Like, how do you get that rapport with your students to be that type um, of For me, I'm really big on engagement. Like I hate a boring classroom. I hate a classroom where I'm lecturing the entire time and y'all are not talking back to me. So relationship building is always key for me. Um, my own philosophy is, a student can't learn from somebody who they don't connect and respect. And so I start off the year like, hey, you, I respect you as a, a person. Just because I'm your teacher and an adult does not mean I trump you. That means I, you got a certain respect for me, but I'm also going to give you a certain respect. And you don't have a lot of teachers that do that. And I also start the year off with like, okay, how do you want me to teach you? How, what is your best way of learning? Do y'all like discussions? Do y'all like a... Uh, open classroom like I actually have those conversations at the beginning of the year and then I can be a little strict like I'm no nonsense and I think a lot of kids gravitate to structure so once they see okay Miss Alfred is structured she does not play it builds a sense of respect they might think I do too much at first 
But then they're like, oh, she cares. So once I build that respect, I also let them know like, hey, I'm your advocate. I, I really believe in what Rita Pearson says about every child needs an advocate and every child needs a champion. So I'm that champion rooting them on to be champions as well. So I start, that's how I start off the year with the structure. And then I build the relationships. I, one student, she, uh, his mom threw him a surprise birthday party at Red Lobster. I came. This outfit, I can't believe you're here. Like every, if there's an away game, basketball game, my students are into sports, I'm there. Like I feel like if I want what I need from them in the classroom, I have to support them outside the classroom. And so I make sure I'm there for them. Like I have students that call me just they're out of middle school. They're in high school now. Miss Alfred, I need to talk. I just, this is what's going on in my life right now. And I'm like, okay, okay, what's going on? What, like, okay, I'm here. I take them out to brunch. Like, hey, let's meet up for brunch. Of course I get parents, but I go above and beyond. And I remember my professor telling me, this is a profession where you can't care. And I'm like, why? Like, what do you mean? And they said, because you can't save every student. You can't. And I've had, I haven't been able to grasp all the students. I've did like maybe 98%, but there's always that one who's just, you know, there, you always got that one that doesn't fully 100% cooperate, but I don't take it personally. I don't know what they got going on at home. And so I really feel yeah. like I see a version of the kids in my classroom, but I don't know what they are experiencing when they leave my classroom or before. So I can't take it personally. And then I don't hold bridges. You know, some teachers be like, oh, you made me mad yesterday. I'm not talking to you for the whole week. That was yesterday. Um, it's a whole new day. And I've had students be like, I thought you were still going to be mad at me. Why? So hard that was yesterday. Why? Why? It's a whole new day. <laughs> like we have, it's a clean slate. Like I tell them all the time, this class is what you make it. So you come in here on 10, that's 10 energy you're going to get from me. But if you come in here ready to go and we can have fun at the same time. So I really think what gets me to connect with these kids is the fact that I show them respect up front and let them know, hey, I respect you. You're going to be an adult soon. So I'm going to respect you as such. I don't triumph over you just because I'm your teacher. And I feel like if more teachers did that, um, the engagement and teacher relationship wouldn't be so low as it is. Hmm. Okay. I definitely, definitely get that. And yeah, I've heard other advice from teachers who say things like, oh, don't smile until December. Like, no, you got to show who you are with all this stuff. Yeah. Right? I mean, I've had teachers who, I think you, you're too nice to them. And I said, I'm, I don't think I'm too nice. I think what I am is uh, I'm not a dictator in a sense that's really bad. I set my um, respect. I set my expectations and I'm fair. You can be my favorite student. I'm still call home. You're going to still abide by my rules. But I have to show them that I'm willing to respect them as well. And they'd be like, I shouldn't have to ask them twice. Yeah, you shouldn't have to ask them twice. But how did you ask them? You got to really think about that. If they're getting yelled at at home and shut down on their parents. The last, they're going to shut down on somebody who is not family to them. So you got to, I kind of, you have to maneuver how you handle these kids. And I got teachers who told me, you know, you lighten up at the end of the year. Hey, they hate you throughout the whole year. Why? So they can act out in my class? No, I don't. I just I feel like what you get is what you give. And so if I'm giving you this negative energy, I'm going to get negative energy back. And I like my piece too much. Yeah, I definitely, definitely get that, too. Um, I want to get back to you being teacher saying you're too nice to students. Right. But it's about the way you do it. I want to get back yeah. to that in a second. But first, I want to talk about something else I saw on your page. 
it was something where you were like feeling down one day. So students came to your class to like eat lunch with you or something like that. Do you remember what I'm talking about? I think so. Okay. Yeah. So I think, was it last, that last school year? This I past think it was. Year? But with that, okay. that, that really showed me that, oh, you really have this two-way relationship with your students, right? Where mm. you're able to reach out to them when they're feeling bad and they're able to reach out to you when you're feeling bad. Yeah. I feel like in my experience teaching, I was good at relationships, but I always set them up to be one way where like mm. they would feel comfortable coming out to me, but I would never share certain things. To yeah. Them, right? So I want to know, do you share everything with them? And like, how, how do you know when to stop? I don't share everything with them because there, there does have to be a boundary of teacher to student and even adult to child. So I can't share my whole personal life with these kids. But I do share my eighth, sixth, or seventh grade experiences with them. And what I mean by that is, okay, you know, me teaching eighth graders, they're about to go into high school. They're all over the place, emotionally, hormonally, everything, identity-wise, everything. So they come to me about a certain issue, whether my personal beliefs or not, I have to be appropriate and I have to be an adult and a teacher at that. So... But what I do do is I tell them, okay, well, you know, when I was in eighth grade, I was dealing with that too. Like I was dealing with being nervous. I was dealing with peer pressure. I was dealing with everything you're dealing with. And I'm not, I can't, I might not can tell you my personal experiences, but I can tell you this, everything that you do from here on out, you might have to face later. So be mindful of the choices that you make now. Hmm. So for me, it's like, I let them know, hey, I've been there. Like, just because I'm older than you doesn't mean I don't understand what you have going on. And like, if we're honest, these kids are going through a lot more stuff than we did in their in eighth grade or six or seven. They got some adult problems now. And it's sad to see, but it's just like, if I, I let them know, like, hey, I know what you're going through. I've dealt with this. And some stuff I'm like, hey, I've dealt with that as an adult too. But XYZ, I let them give them their advice the most appropriate way. If I ever feel like there's been some instances where, whoa, you uh, you can't tell me, please don't tell me no more. I'm a mandated reporter. I have to report things that do not sit well with me. And I've let students know, and I, I even tell them to jump, do not tell me anything I'm gonna have to report. I can be your guidance counselor. I can be your advocate. I can do all that. But if it's something that I have to report, you might as well not tell me because I'm going to report it. And I, I let them know up front what they can and what they cannot tell me. So, and then oftentimes I do go back to the counselors anyway, because they need, that's their specific job. Like I can be that advocate, but I'm not a counselor role where I have to keep all that. I go to the counselors like, hey, Jenny told me this today. And I, I do want to see if she can bring it up to you, but somehow try to discreetly bring her to your office and let her open up to you. The counselors know how to do that. And then later on, they were like, Miss Alfred, I talked to Mr. So-and-so or Miss So-and-so today about what I told you about. I'm like, oh, really? What happened? Why do you do that? And they'll let me know and they'll be like, they feel better. So at the end of the day, I do share with them. But as a teacher, I have to have an accountability as well. And I think that's what allows me to have that relationship because I know my boundaries. And even anytime I have a conversation to that caliber, 
a guidance counselor knows and they also have that secondhand information directly from the student as well. So I always try to keep myself in those boundaries. So my job is at risk and my trust with the student isn't jeopardized. In a way, you're like a mole, <laughs> right? Like you're the inside <laughs> source. But it's really important to have those, right? Like we yeah. need someone who students can trust enough, but also someone responsible enough to, okay, I need to do something with this trust. It's not trust for yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Great, great, great. So it definitely sounds like you have a lot of fun in the class, <laughs> but there's another quote I want to bring up. It says, even though it's hard being a teacher, it's not the kids that make it hard. It's the circumstances. But when you have kids that really love you, you remember why you started in the first place. So with these stories that you're telling me about your students, it sounds easy to remember why you love teaching, like why you do it every morning. Yeah. But can you tell me, like, what are some of the distractions that you think teachers might have that may make them forget? <laughs> um, really, all a lot of outside forces. Like, it can be, um, it's in, sometimes it's not, most of the time it's not the kids. Sometimes it is, but most of the time it's not. It can be lack of support, and that can be from at home. Like, I might not have support uh, from the kids' parents. Or that can be school support where maybe I'm not getting supported um, from the admin. Um, there's a lot of outside circumstances that can affect our why. I know for me personally, the pandemic, that has um, for a brief moment affected my why because I just felt like maybe this is too dangerous for me. Maybe I can't do this anymore. I'm getting frustrated. And it was the outside force of everything that was going on in the world that made me forget my why. And it takes students to help me remember that. So yeah, there's a lot of outside circumstances, but the biggest ones for us teachers is honestly, is the outside forces of the school, like the lack of support. And it goes from admin to parents, to be honest. Um, Can you- I've thought, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, can you maybe tell me what that type of support looks like? Like, in a sense, your job is to stay in this classroom, teach English. Like, what more do you need? Well, there's kids who, like, for example, there's kids that come with a lot of issues and a lot of paperwork and documentation. And we have to adhere to those regulations of those students. But how do I adhere to what has if is mandated for me to do for your child if when I call you about your child you you gave up on your child already mm -hmm. so it's hard like that's what I mean like my job is to teach you but my job is also to provide a, a conducive and safe learning environment as well and that includes the social and emotional being of the kids in my classroom and if the support at home does not help me to make that child better, then it's more work on me. Cause I've had it, for example, I've had a student, she called me her second mom. And you know, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I'm everybody auntie or something. So her mom came to the school and was like, I have a problem with you. And I didn't know whose child this was, whose parent she was. It was just a lady during open house, uh, the second open house of the semester, just to follow up with teachers. She was like, Miss Afra, I have a problem with you. And I'm like, who, who are you? And she was like, I'm such and such mom. Oh, well, why do you have a problem? I love her. She respects me more than she respects, she respects you more than she respects me. 
And I said, oh, I didn't know that. And so I called her over. I said, what's the issue? She told me her issue. And I was like, I, I can never take somebody's place. But however, this is the same parent that every time a student, a teacher called her about this student, I don't have time for her. I don't care. I got other stuff to think about. I, I'm just going to ship her off to her dad. So it's like, what do you expect? Like, if you're not giving me the support to help your child because you gave up, that makes my job harder, especially for those students who are not trying to listen in the classroom. It's like, hey, little Johnny's acting out again, mom. I, what do you want me to do? What you want me to do, Miss Alfred? I, I can't do nothing. So that's like, okay, so if I don't have the support for you for to make him calm down in the classroom, that interrupts my whole learning environment. For the other 30 students that are already got trying to learn, but little Johnny's still having an issue and mom doesn't care. So he's like, oh, I have no repercussions. Mm. Then that goes back to the school too, because there's some schools who they don't want to discipline the kids. They feel like it's a lot going on right now, but it's like, okay, they still need some type of discipline. So really it's the outside forces of our classroom. If the parents aren't involved and the administration is not involved, what can we do after that? Because what support do we have to help these students? Yeah. And I, I like how you gave like a good definition of support, right? Like mm-hmm. if I am helping your student become a better person, a better learner in the class. You need to do something to that extent at home, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's like a parent would think of it in a way where I'm not just helping my kid learn to act right or act accordingly. I'm actually helping his teacher. I'm helping their yeah. boss. I'm helping their future partner. Like it's all a group effort for support. Yep. Yeah. So if that's the support we need from parents, what's the type of support you need from administration? Like what does that entail? So that entails, um, I don't want to, I'm trying to think of a better word before a lack of a better word, discipline and the re- and consequences. And the reason why I say that is because a lot gets swept under the rug where, okay, I send you out because you disrespected me or you're, you're messing up the classroom and I can't teach. So I'll send you somewhere. I'm still come back. I'm sorry, Miss Alfred and sit back down. So there's no consequences for what they're doing, you know? So support for me, and that's not even just consequences. We're dealing with a lot too, like as far as emotionally and physically as teachers during this pandemic. So versus, you know, hounding us about deadlines, show us grace too. You know, I think the word grace is thrown around to our students so heavily, but what about the teacher grace? So, so Miss Alfred, I got to stop you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) With that, it's, so the grace that the student's getting, everyone's in favor of students getting grace, right? I don't think Mm -hmm. there's any debate about that. And part Mm -hmm. of that grace is that a student's acting up in your class, I'm not going to suspend them. That's giving Mm -hmm. grace, right? The grace is I'm sending them back to Miss Alfred's class. He apologized, right? So like, what does... What 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 do you want the administrators to do in that case? And well, I, here's, here's a the question thing. I'm still answering too because I've been in those types of situations as well. No, that's no, that's real. The thing I don't have a problem with you, the students coming back and apologizing, but what I have a problem with is I'm sorry, Miss Alfred, and then going right back 
to doing what they need to do. Now I'm sending you out for the second day or the second time in this one class period. And then you come back with the attitude like, Miss Alfred, why do you keep sending this student out? I can't teach the rest of these kids. So I'm all for giving grace. I feel like everybody deserves a second chance. But what are you doing besides making them apologize to me? Where's the serious talk with them? I sent you out at 10.03. You came back at 10.08 apologizing to me. There was no conversation in that because it took you two minutes to walk to the office. <laughs> so, you know, it's like you told them, oh, go apologize and make sure you don't do it again. The support that I need is, hey, Johnny, you have to get it together or you will be at home if it continues. I'm just asking for a conversation. I'm asking for intentionality of, hey, you cannot interrupt this learning environment. And if it, keep ha if it keeps happening, something's gonna have to change where it's either a lunch detention, uh, after school detention, whatever the case may be, I'm all for a second, even third chances. I feel like everybody has a chance to prove themselves. But if, the, if I'm seeing consistent issues and you're not supporting me, you keep telling me to give them grace, but it's affecting my other classroom. You're not supporting me. You're coddling them. Mm. And I think that's the difference. I'm not, I'm not, I'm big on grace. I'm big on, you can mess up a whole semester. If you come back January with a whole new leaf and you say, Miss Alfred, I didn't change. I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna take what you say. Okay. You changed. I don't care about that last year. Let's go ahead and move forward. But if Johnny still come back terrorizing my classroom, where does this, okay, go back and apologize end? Where does, okay, I'm gonna have to call your mom or you're now, you're off the basketball team for this first game real quick. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking support that lets me know, hey, you care about my feelings and my instruction with the other 30 kids or if more in the classroom. Because you're supporting me by, like not necessarily eliminating, but you're supporting me by gathering together what's causing the disruption, not just sending them back to me. So I guess that's that's what support to me looks like. Like, okay, Miss Alfred, we hear you. We are taking your concerns seriously. We're looking at the other kids and we're going to do something about this versus just sending them back to class. So yeah, that's to me, support is that. And support can even be other things too, not even just discipline. If you know that I got 35 kids in the classroom, Miss Alfred, go ahead and take a little 10 to 15. I watch your class real quick. Oh, for real? Yeah. Okay, fine. Miss <laughs> Alfred, you need a restroom break? Miss Alfred, here's some water. You've been teaching for three periods straight. I know you're probably thirsty. Oh my God, thank you. So support does not always mean with children. Support me as in you know that I'm working my tail off. And loving these kids and giving my energy to come here in a pandemic every day. So support me even by little things, even a note like Miss Alfred, you're doing so well today. I see you. I appreciate you. That supports my morale of mm. coming into the building. So it's not even support just does not mean discipline. It means acknowledging that I'm still here and that you see me still doing well. So support it goes on different spectrums. But the biggest support that I'm seeing that I feel like us teachers need right now is for a lot of the students getting back accustomed to the school rules and just making sure that consequences 
match. And I'll and the reason why I say match because sometimes consequences do not match the action. So making sure that the consequences match what the action is fairly. Yeah. Fair. And thank you. That was great. Like, I think it's great that we now have a definition of support on the parent side and also from administrative side. Because mm-hmm. we always hear like, we need support, we need support. But I feel like a lot of times parents or administrators don't know what that means. So mm-hmm. thank you for, for that. Um, Brittany, you have a lot of great ideas about um, education. You've been in the classroom for a while, teacher of the year. Uh, you're on the teacher advisory board right now. Yes. <laughs> what's next in terms of Miss Alfred? Like what's next? <laughs> well, um, I'm actually completing my master's, um, my third degree in curriculum and instruction. So what that entails me, I, my end goal is to be a superintendent of a county. The reason I'm not, a lot of people was like, well, just go into leadership, go into your leadership role. I feel like there's a lot of leaders who don't know how to operate a classroom. A lot, I see a lot of leaders who was in the classrooms like a year or two. They went on and got their masters. Now they're leading. And I feel like a good leader goes through the trenches and then looks at all aspects. So Am I prolonging my superintendent career? Just a little bit because I decided to go the curriculum and instruction route because I plan on being that superintendent that says, oh yeah, I know how to make a lesson plan. You got some superintendents who don't. Mm. I know how to teach, I know how to teach this. You have some superintendents who's never been a teacher in the classroom. They just been leaders, but it's like, how can I lead you if I haven't been a sheep yet? How can I yeah. lead you if I haven't been in your position? So my goal is to be that superintendent that, oh, I've been there with you. I've worked with ELL students. I've worked with what they consider low-income students. And I work with the advanced students. Like, I've worked with all these kids. I understand the hassle of lesson plans. I understand the hassle of 504s and IEPs. So my goal is to be that superintendent, a superintendent that never forgot that they was a teacher first. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You in the trenches. <laughs> I like that. You're going to do the rap and the track triple, triple yeah. double assist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's great. Like we need leaders like that who have experienced it all from the bottom all the way up to the top. That's great. Yeah. Um, again, thank you for sharing this all, Brittany. Um, your experience in education and your thoughts on the future of it are some of the reasons why I think you're the greatest teacher of all time. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Thank you to everyone else for listening to The Greatest Teacher of All Time, where I, Quincy Dawson, interview teachers of color from all over to highlight their philosophies, strategies, and personalities.